Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and a very warm welcome to the first Pubs Pints People of 2023. I'm Claire Phillips. Joining me today are Simon Webster and Alison Tafts. Hi, guys. Happy New Year, Claire, and to everyone listening, if it's not too late to say that. But we do have a very busy episode for you to get the year kicked off in style. We're welcoming in the new year in the company of not one but two of Camera's branches. Both Tewkesbury and Chesterfield are involved in this episode and we'll be hearing from both later on. Now, we are halfway through January, so uh, I expect lots of resolutions have already been broken. I'm not a big fan of resolutions, partly for that reason, but uh, I have been making some resolutions or kind of plans for the year. I, I'm in a sort of um, forum where with a few friends where we plan to drink 50 different beers per year and we always share what we've been drinking and uh, I should be doing that again in 2023 not necessarily new beers but different beers so that I, I get a good range of beers throughout the year and I'm actually and I'm hoping that uh, this you know this will please Alison and perhaps she might even be able to help me here because I want to find out more and drink more cider in 2023 as well. Yay! I think Alison's uh, influence is rubbing off on me because I've also got an, an increased interest in cider this year. Um, but I'm also, I've sort of promised myself to try and support some of Britain's uh, smaller breweries. And while I was visiting Edinburgh just before Christmas, I picked up some beers from uh, Stuart Brewing and New Barnes, who are two excellent breweries based up in Scotland. Oh, beautiful. Uh, I have been lucky enough to have a week away. We have had the hop-in closed and we've got away and we've had a fantastic time visiting some really awesome pubs. I haven't made any particular resolutions um, but according to a recent YouGov poll on New Year's resolutions, one in five Britons say they're making a New Year's resolution for 2023 compared to one in seven who did for 2022. So there are many of you that have statistically been promising to do things differently. I suppose the thing is, what is it that they're resolving to do? Because we do, I mean, you know, our local gym is full up at the moment. Um, my Pilates class, you couldn't move for mats in there. So is it, is it kind of all the, the usual things that, uh, that we hear about in January? Yeah, you're quite right, Claire. The top three are all the classics. Doing more exercise, losing weight and improving the diet. So some of the resolutions slightly lower down the list involve pursuing a new career ambition or taking up a new hobby. So I'm wondering if some of our listeners, that hobby could be joining camera. 
I know we'd certainly love to see some of our listeners visiting more of their local pubs and perhaps even volunteering to get involved in their local beer festival. Yeah, certainly volunteering is a really good New Year's resolution to make, even if you only do it once. But but also around the middle of that resolutions list is the familiar that we hear a lot at this time of year, you know, dry January, cutting down on alcohol. Don't forget if you are doing dry January, you can still go to the pub. It doesn't mean you can't go to the pub in January. I was chatting to the um, founder of the Big Drop Brewing Company. They brew um, no alcohol beers, uh, some really nice ones, actually. And they're getting them out into more and more pubs now. And, you know, there are so many low and no alcohol drinks in, in pubs that it's a great option. You don't just have to have a lemonade or something like that. You can have a, a zero alcohol beer. And as I say, I, I like Big Drop beers. I've had some from Nirvana Brewery recently. So, yeah, there, there's way loads more choice than there ever used to be. Yeah, I mean, certainly a growing area. I mean, I know you two may find this difficult to believe, but I have made it a point for trying lots and lots of low and no options. Uh, And we've put together a two-page menu of tasty no-alcohol drinks for those people who aren't drinking alcohol. So we're getting a lot of success with um, a drink called Credino, which is a sort of bittersweet Italian style, I guess a little bit like a no-alcohol Aperol spritz, very tasty, with ice and a slice of orange. We also love to serve crafty nectar, zero 0.5% cider which is really tasty and we have had a lot of success with Zot Sport which is the Belgian beer Zot only with no alcohol as well as Clear Head which is a fantastic pale ale from the Bristol Beer Factory Yeah, I've written a few of those down there Yeah, (laughs) I've been looking around my local supermarkets and and two of the the lower alcohol beers I've I've tried recently include Brooklyn Special Effects which is a lager at 0.4% which I really enjoyed Uh, And I finally got round to trying alcohol-free Guinness this week. And when you pour it into the glass, I was really impressed with how it retains that that creamy head that Guinness is uh, very famous for. And in terms of the taste, uh, it tasted very close to uh, what you would call normal Guinness. So uh, that's one that I'll be returning to. Uh, I'm certainly looking myself to try and diversify the the range of no and low alcohol beers that I try throughout 2023. And uh, one tip I've seen a few people share on on social media is that uh, if you're looking to perhaps moderate your drinking sometimes, that starting with a no or a low alcohol beer before moving on to some stronger beers uh, is a a good uh, way to get into this. And that's a good tip. And, and I quite like that Guinness mention as well, Simon. And it flies out of the supermarkets around here. I mean, quite often it's sold out and you, you can't get hold of it. We spoke to camera author Laura Hadland about no and low alcohol beers. She's obviously a familiar voice on this podcast. She wrote 50 Years of Camera, which we've talked about on a previous episode, of course. And Laura also won an award for her writing on alcohol-free beers. She recently wrote a piece in The Telegraph about it. Laura Hadland here, and I want to wish you all a very happy new year. January has rolled around again, and once again that dry January campaign is back, encouraging us all to quit the booze for a month. It's a great idea for health reasons, just to uh, to keep that alcohol consumption in check, but I think there's no real reason that we shouldn't be supporting our favourite breweries and our fantastic pubs during January, uh, whether or not you go dry. Triannuary is a great excuse to try something new and uh, since I was named best low and no alcohol beer writer by the British Guild of Beer Writers at their awards in 2022, I hope I'm pretty well placed to make some recommendations for some fantastic low and no alcohol beers that are out there on the market right now that perhaps you could try for January. First up I've got 
a really new release actually only uh, came out in December 22 and that's Wiper and Trues Tomorrow uh, that's a 0.5% kind of German Pilsner style lager now um, you may be aware that 0.5% is sort of the ceiling for, for no alcohol beers. Anything under 0.5 means you can legally label it as alcohol free. So this counts as an alcohol free product. I was really blown away by this lager. It's um, crisp and clean, gives you everything you'd want from, from that kind of refreshing lager style. Really light, but has those kind of typical characteristics, a, a slight biscuity kind of malt flavour coming through. Very, very light hint of sweetness and also a, just a touch of a herbal hoppiness. Um, I think that I wouldn't guess that it's alcohol free if I was giving it to taste blind. So um, huge thumbs up to them. That's a fantastic kind of uh, first leap into the alcohol free world by Wiper and True. Next up, I've got an old favourite that I will always recommend, um, the Krombacher Weizen. Now, that's also uh, under 0.5% ABV. And as the name suggests, it's a wheat beer. And it really does have all the body that you'd hope for from that style of beer. You can expect all the typical flavours, a bit of banana, a bit of clove, a little bit of sweet spice in there. Uh, just a light sweetness at the end on the finish. I've been drinking that for several years now and really enjoy it. So it's it's a great one to go back to. You'll notice on the label that it's described as isotonic. Um, all that means really is that it has a similar sugar level to that that's found in the human body. So it metabolizes more quickly than other drinks and I guess helps hydrate you a bit faster. So yeah, if you're wondering about that, the Germans seem really big on labeling their beers with isotonic, their alcohol-free beers. Um, so a little bit of a factorino for you there. And then finally, I think I want to give you a, a bit of a fruity hit. And I think Merakai Brewing Company from uh, East Sussex have released a fantastic low alcohol pale ale in 2022 um, that I hope to see more of on the market this year. It's called This Is A Thirst Trap. It's 0.28% ABV, so nice and specific there, well under the 0.5% uh, threshold. And it's really a hazy, juicy beer with kind of tropical flavours, mango, papaya, uh, a little bit of grapefruit in there. But that's balanced out with a really nice kind of grassy hoppiness. It's got a really full mouthfeel, as you'd expect from one of those kind of juice bomb style beers. And all of that kind of hoppiness comes from fantastic use of uh, of hops, including Equinox Cryo, which really gives you that kind of bold, fruity hit. So another fantastic beer and really one to watch out for. Merakai are a great brewery and they're also crowdfunding at the moment so they can open a community and tap room in Worthing. So uh, well worth looking out for them. Uh, I think we can expect big things from them in the future. So whatever you're up to in January this year, whatever you're going to try, I hope that you have a fantastic new year and uh, enjoy a dry January without giving up your favourite breweries. Cheers. So, continuing with our resolution to have a great new 2023, we have a fantastic lineup of guests for you in this show, perfect for January. Now, Al Simon has been chatting to Gary Greenberg, author of Beer Diet, How to Drink Beer and Not Gain Weight. 
Well, basically, I have been drinking beer for a long time. I'm a, believe it or not, I'm a rugby player. I played rugby for 40 years over here, and um, I am a home brewer. And people would always ask me, you know, how do you manage to drink uh, so much beer and not gain weight? So being a natural health journalist, I uh, decided to write a book about it. I think the first thing that people have to do uh, is to take responsibility for their own health. In other words, uh, not rely on the doctor to give you pills to keep you healthy. Try to figure out what you know your issues are, if you have any issues, and where they're coming from, and how to fix them through you know the pillars of health, which are basically diet, exercise, sleep, and uh, stress reduction. I think that would be the first tip: is to decide to take responsibility for your own health. Uh, once you get there, then you have specific. Uh, things you can do as far as, you know, in each category. For example, for diet, I don't drink anything but beer and water and like sparkling water and coffee and tea. I don't drink any soft drinks. I don't drink any sugary uh, fruit juices or anything like that because for every one of those I drink, I figure, well, that's one less beer I can have, uh, you know, without damaging myself too much. Yeah. And, and in terms of managing your weight or, or maintaining a weight and drinking beer, uh, is, is there anything you can share in terms of uh, perhaps the, the, the strength or the volume of beers that people drink or perhaps... Uh, the quantity of beer people might drink in a week? Well, I, I really wouldn't focus too much on reducing weight by what kind of beer I drink. Uh, the whole idea is to be able to drink beer that you like. Uh, the beer that I like, and I believe a lot of uh, the listeners like, is fairly strong beer. So I wouldn't want to tell you to water down your beer or drink Coors Light uh, to not gain weight because why do something you don't enjoy? And so the concept of the book is that if we do overindulge a little bit, uh, we can mitigate some of those issues by uh, taking better care of our health and other aspects of our life. Doctors over here recommend no more than two beers a day for men. And that would be, you know, a 5% beer, which, uh, you know, would be maybe one beer of a cask beer. It's hard to do that. The best thing to do then, if you're going to drink too much beer or more than the recommend you know, the recommendations, uh, is to take better care of your health and other aspects. Diet's the most important thing, obviously, if you're dealing with weight and everything else. Uh, and it's just a trade-off on, on what foods you eat and when you're not drinking, you know, when you're drinking beer or trying to cut down on, on the foods that are uh, processed and foods that are unhealthy and eat healthy foods, get your exercise, get sleep, one really great thing about beer is it helps with the fourth pillar of health, which is stress reduction. Because at the end of the day, I know when I sit outside and have my, my beer after I'm done working, I totally relax and can just sit there and enjoy uh, drinking the beer and not really worrying about anything. Yeah. And, and beyond the book, you've got a, a YouTube channel and a natural health blog. What sort of content can our listeners expect to find on both of these? Well, the YouTube channel, it's called The Beer Diet Guy. Um, is kind of humorous little little uh, snippets of, of my life and some of our travels, my wife and myself. They're funny little thoughts about life and intermix uh, beer with, you know, everything in there. The website has uh, some health stories on it. I've been a little slow about keeping up because I continue to work pretty much full time. I, I do some contract work for the, uh, over here, it's called the National Enquirer. I used to work for the tabloids. 
uh, and uh, they called me up and they needed some help. So I've been adding that to my load of uh, natural health stories. Uh, so I've been so busy lately um, that I haven't really had too much time to keep up with all that. I'm a one-man operation here, yeah. and I do all of the filming, all the editing, all of the you know, all the writing, all of the website building, everything. So uh, it's kind of tough to keep up. What are your favorite beer styles, and what would you be drinking in in, in Florida at the moment? Uh, well, my favorite beer styles tend to be kind of stronger, you know, reddish ales. I, I really like red IPAs. Mm-hmm. For some reason, uh, That that's one style that I love. We have a, a brewery near us called uh, Barrel of Monks, and they do Belgian beers, and they have some just amazing uh, uh, quadruple ales, uh, quadraphonic. They have a, a stout called Parade of Souls. Uh, I like, I just like flavorful beer. I like, I like to sample a lot of different types of beer. Yeah. We don't get too much British beer over here, um, but I used to like uh, – we have one pub. Uh, it actually was uh, taken brick from brick from uh, from Britain. It's called um, the Blue Anchor. It's a haunted bar. It's, it's near a town near me. And uh, they used to have Hobgoblin on, 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 on tap, but it was the draw. It wasn't the, you know, the gas taps. It was the draw, yep. which I haven't seen anywhere in, in the States. And uh, what's next for you? You mentioned that you're quite busy, but are there any uh, any further books in the pipeline, or any any thoughts you've got how you could you know expand on on the ideas you covered in your in your first book? As I do more and more of these natural health stories, I've had easily over three hundred published in the last you know five years that I've been focusing in that area. Uh, I keep learning new stuff, so. Uh, it's almost time for me to update the beer diet with a second edition. I've written a couple other health books, uh, you know, about different subjects. So I'm always interested in exploring health because I'm 69 years old. I want to be healthy and be drinking beer till I die. <laughs> so uh, to, to do that, you got to keep up with things and and uh, with the technology these days in, in healthcare and in science, there's new things being discovered all the time. You could be drinking beer and, uh, and having a healthy lifestyle for a good few years to come yet, I'm sure. Yeah, I sure hope to. You know, you, you never know, but uh, at least you can increase your odds for being able to do that by just doing some simple things. If you don't take care of yourself, at some point your doctor is going to tell you that you can't drink beer. So that's what I'm trying to avoid. That sounds like a nightmare, to be honest, if my doctor said that to me. Um, but thank you. And if, our, if any of our listeners have been inspired by what we've uh, covered in this interview today, so they can find your book on Amazon. Last time I looked, uh, it was priced at just over £12 in paperback, uh, also available in a Kindle edition. And of course, I'm sure you can order it from uh, other bookshops across the UK. And also, if you want to find Gary's website, then uh, a quick search for uh, the-beer-diet.com. Uh, we'll take you to Gary's website where you can uh, catch up with his blog and a link to his YouTube channel. So uh, all that remains for me to say, Gary, is uh, thank you very much. And thank you and have a great and happy and healthy 2023. So it was a real pleasure talking to Gary and his message is deceptively simple. You don't have to drink less beer to improve your health. It's really all about the other factors such as your diet, what you're, what you're eating and how much sleep you get that's just as important. And if you're interested in what Gary had to say, it's well worth checking out both his book, but also do search out his website and his YouTube channel if you want to find out more information on this area. 
How to Drink Beer and Not Gain Weight. This is a book I have been waiting for all my life. <laughs> I'm just place my order. As we're, uh, no, actually, this issue, we're focusing on two camera branches who've got beer festivals coming up. We'll start with the Chesterfield branch. Alison caught up with Jane Leffley, who's got around 20 years of involvement with the branch. And they're having their Winding Wheel Festival on the 3rd and 4th of February. So Jane started off by telling Alison more about their part of the world. Chesterfield was smack bang in the middle of the country. Uh, we're surrounded by the cities. There's Nottingham, Sheffield, Derby, Manchester. We're sort of in the middle of all that. The closest is Derby and Sheffield. Sheffield's about 20 minutes away and Derby's about 40 minutes away. Wow, so you're well positioned there for some great pubs and breweries, I think, actually. Now you're working on your local festival. So tell me a little bit about that. Chesterfield Beer Festival, it's been running for over 20 years. We did have a little bit of a lapse with the pandemic. We haven't run it for the last two years. The last one, we managed to get one in in February 2020 before lockdown. We're welcoming everybody back to the winding wheel in Chesterfield, which is a big heritage building. It's absolutely beautiful. We have all of it. There's a ballroom, a function room and an auditorium. We have the three rooms. We have different themed bars in each room. It's always held in February and this will be our 21st festival. Wow, it's lovely to get it back started. Bet you can't wait to see all those people that you've been missing these last few years. We can't. We keep we're getting plenty of feedback now. Uh, people were emailing and texting, asking when the festival was coming back and when we said it was announced for this February. Everybody's over the moon about it. I bet they are. Now, that sounds fantastic. So you talked about lots of different themes uh, in the different rooms. How many bars have you got roughly in, in the festival? We have three bars, but we have four because we have the craft. We have around about 20 beers in the function room. And then in the ballroom, we always concentrate on Derbyshire beers. But this year, we're just going for low kale because we've got a wider spread than just Derbyshire beers. And then downstairs in the auditorium, we have a stage and we have a selection of around about 60 beers down there. And then we have the craft bar and the cider bar downstairs. And then we have entertainment in the evening. Friday and Saturday lunchtime. We always close for an hour so that we can put the tables away from the lunchtime in the auditorium to get ready for the evening uh, because Friday lunchtime and Saturday lunchtime sessions are quiet. We have no entertainment on. So tell me about the other highlights of the festival. We have the Cheeseman. He's a local trader. He's got a shop in Chesterfield Town Centre and his cheese factor and he does ploughman's. Everybody that goes into the ballroom, look round the tables and you can see they've all got the big ploughmans from Cheese Factor. That sounds amazing. And I'm, I'm guessing he's got some good local cheeses there as well. He does, yes. And his pork pie. Now you've got me. I do love a pork pie. It sounds fantastic. Uh, so thinking about your branch as a whole, is there anything that's some um, special events or anything unusual about the branch? When the pandemic hit, we decided to support pubs instead of having the festival in February 2022. So we got together with all the pubs. We split it into three locations, Brampton, Whittington Moor and Chesterfield. All the pubs got together and we did a walkabout. That was February. It was really, really popular. People went into the pubs 
uh, supported the local pubs. We did a map of where they can go from one pub to the other. That was so popular that we decided to do it in October as well. And we called it the Halloween Walkabout because Chesterfield Branch used to have a beer festival in October in the market hall in the town centre. It was only a small uh, beer festival. We only had about 35 beers. It was run in conjunction with the council. But then it got more and more expensive with the council putting prices up. And it wasn't feasible to do it. So we decided this time to do the Halloween walkabout. We did the same as we did in February, but we did it at Halloween weekend. That sounds absolutely brilliant. I wondered, can you download the route of that if you visit? Because it sounds like the sort of thing people might want to do sort of any time, really, if they're coming for a trip. Yeah, we've got the flyers and that on the website, which lists all the pubs that were involved. Oh, that sounds amazing. I'm definitely going to look that one up if I find myself in your area. Sounds like a great idea. And it's, as you said, great for supporting the local pubs and almost as good as a festival. Only you're getting into more pubs. So it sounds pretty fantastic to me. It also increases footfall for the pubs because, I mean, a lot of the pubs are suffering with what's happened in the last two years. Yeah, no, definitely. And, they, and we all know that they can do all the, with all the support. And that sounds like a really good way to do it. Speaking of your pubs, Jane, what's your pub of the year situation? I I think you're getting your votes in quite early there, aren't you? The votes have come in, they've been judged, and our pub of the year is the Chesterfield Arms, which is on Newbold Road. That is the Chesterfield pub of the year. And then we also have a district pub of the year, and that is the Arkwright Arms, Suncombe, Dortmundton. Fantastic. Well, congratulations to both of those pubs. Uh, And have you got an existing cider pub of the year, Jane? We have got an existing side of pub and that is the Arkwright Arms. They've done very well, so congratulations to them. That's fantastic. So uh, we all now know who we can come and visit while we're up in your area. Fantastic to talk to you. Best of luck with the festival. It sounds amazing and I'm sure you're going to get lots of happy visitors delighted to come back and join you again. Thanks very much for joining us, Jane. Thank you. And it is a lovely part of the world. Alison, that's uh, not far from where you've been on holiday recently, isn't it? Actually, I've been in all kinds of places on holiday. We've been on a bit of a uh, a pub and beer tour over the last week that we've had the hop-in closed. So, yeah, I've really had a a great time visiting some fantastic pubs. Well, now's a good time to talk about them then because we can have our We're Only Here for the Beer section of the podcast. Of course, we're not only here for the beer. We're here for lots of other things as well. But we dip into the Good Beer Guide and choose some of our favourites. Alison, we do have to get the podcast out um, by the end of by the middle of next week so if you could restrict not every single pub you've visited for this part of the, of the show that would be great <laughs> no absolutely you're quite right Claire there are so many but I'm going to pick one for this month um, and that was our first visit uh, of our trip we stopped off in the West Midlands and near Dudley the village of Sedgley and the amazing Beacon Hotel now many people will know the Beacon Hotel because of course it's the brewery tap for the Sarah Hughes Brewery Uh, And they brew lots of fantastic styles, including the infamous, one could say, uh, Ruby Mild, the Sarah Hughes Ruby Mild, which I'd been looking forward to trying for a very long time and hadn't been able to. uh, And so we made a special trip to the pub. Well worth it. It's a fabulous pub with a glorious sort of original inside. It's got one of those wonderful little bars uh, which is enclosed inside a wooden frame and you've got a little window that goes up and you have to sort of bend down and talk to the person behind the bar there and you order these fantastic brews. Wonderful locals in there and some seriously quality pub chat. 
Sarah Hughes, Ruby Mild, it lived up to all my expectations. It was exceptional, intense, beautiful colour, lovely multi-rich flavour. And I sort of accompanied it with a wonderful Midlands lunch of a cob with cheese and onion, which was spectacular. The whole visit was wonderful. Sounds, Highly recommend Sounds it. fantastic. I mean, I, I can remember the first time I tried Sarah Hughes, Ruby Mild. It was at the Berry St Edmunds Beer Festival when it used to be held in the Corn Exchange in the town. So that's years ago. Um, and again I've been told to wait till the end of the festival have it as my last one real special one and it, it yeah lived up to all my hopes and expectations and absolutely a <laughs> lovely beer but I'm going to, to cheat a bit here I haven't visited the pub I'm going to talk about but it has just been announced as Camera's Pub of the Year it's the Tamworth Tap in Staffordshire so congratulations to George and Louise Greenaway who run it um, if you haven't been voting in your for your Pub of the Year competition they're selected by camera volunteers they're judged on all sorts of things really including their atmosphere welcome and the quality of the beer of course should perhaps also quickly mention the runners up Station House in Durham Horse and Jockey in Stapleford and the King's Head in Norwich and yes if you do have a look at your local branches voting for Pub of the Year perhaps have a look on the What Pub app as well or the What Pub website and find new pubs to try and you never know it could be one that you find that wins the, the competition in in a future year the pub i would like to mention is the cock tavern which is based in hackney in northeast london it's an old truman style pub and as soon as you walk in you just you just really sense it's got this lovely atmosphere and a lovely vibe as, as well as a great range of real ale and cider and my top tip is it's a great stop for a drink if you're going to a gig at the wonderful moth club which is just a couple of minutes walk away now, while we're talking about camera books, the Good Beer Yearbook is a new publication from Camera that's coming out in February. It's an ambitious new publication and will be a must-read for anyone interested in beer and brewing. You'll be able to find out more about it on the Camera website, and as ever, details will be included in the show notes of this episode. Yeah, it sounds a good read, as indeed is the Good Beer Guide, where you can find all the pubs that we've just mentioned too. Now, on to the second branch that we're visiting. This time we're off to Tewkesbury, and we're talking about the TWAF, which is the Tewkesbury Winter Ales Festival. It only has beers that are brewed and available during the winter. There are no all-year-round beers to be found there. It's on from Thursday the 26th to Saturday the 28th of January. I got a preview of what's on offer from branch member Ian Mentz, who's a long-standing member of Camera. He's in charge of choosing the beers for the festival and there are some pretty strong beers on that list including one at 14% but Ian explained that that's actually part of the festival's USP. The whole thing about TWAF is that a lot of people come because they can get the stronger winter ales, which, of course, in a pub, not many pubs, will sell a 6% or above ale simply because they won't be able to shift a firkin in the three or four days that it keeps. So what tends to happen with a lot of the stronger ales normally is they go into a keg or a key keg, and, of course, that's not a cask ale, so it doesn't get chance to mature over the uh, the period it's being served so it's made us quite a unique festival in terms of winter ales only and strong it goes down quite well though i was going to say i imagine you must be well served by public transport routes for, for this festival because you know the whole drinking responsibly not drinking and driving must really affect as you've alluded to the way these beers can be sold usually Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The the, uh, the venue is the Watson Hall in Tewkesbury, which is smack in the centre of town. 
all of the local hotels and B&Bs get fully booked months before the festival by people who obviously want to stay over. The local railway station is a 40-minute walk into town and there's bus routes from Cheltenham, Gloucester, Worcester as well. So we're very lucky that we've got a very central location because on a good year we've had as many as 1,200 people turn up over the festival period, which is Thursday night is camera-only members, card-carrying members, and then Friday and Saturday is um, any member of the public can come along and enjoy our beers. We're going to have um, 10 Ciders or Perrys, I think it's seven ciders and three Perrys this this year, but uh, predominantly it's a it's an ale festival. And you mentioned that it's winter ales and very strict conditions about when they're brewed and, and that sort of thing. And and I'm guessing that most of these will be very limited availability beers. And is that the same with the ciders too? No, the ciders are they're the ones that are available when we want them. As in, you know, they they haven't sold them or whatever. Yeah, the winter ales I spend literally hours going through untapped and the the brewery information system the camera brewery information system making sure that the beers i've been offered by the brewers and i'm using a couple of companies the good beer company in stroud and a company called the flying firkin in lancashire they're sending down 18 on a pallet and the good beer company are sorting out about 40 for me and then i've approached some breweries locally directly and uh, and they're supplying as well i think probably air festival now is most likely the only one in the uk to my knowledge that is that strict about winter ales how long has the the twaff been going anyway this will be our 26th year where our 25th was february 2020 so literally just before lockdown we planned for one last year we had a beer list virtually finished we had a program virtually finished virtually everything was in place and then we had a covid spike in this area and decided we didn't want to be responsible for a super spreader event as it was called in those days so we cancelled it in early january which was tragic so uh, we're quite excited that at last we're going to be able to have a festival again and this will be the 26th And have you always been this strict or is it something that's developed how you've looked at what your perhaps unique selling point is going to be? To my knowledge, and I've been involved for five or six years now, I understand that it has always been as strict as it can be. I mean, now and then one slips through that is not that well known, maybe, or has come from a long way away and people have picked up that it actually is brewed all year but it's because it's so rare down this way that it wasn't noticed but you know hey ho that's life there's, there's always one isn't there i can see it now dear twaff yeah. i attended you yeah. <laughs> that's it you got it well, yeah. one thing that did strike me that i i noticed you do and i i've not seen this very often is that you have an opportunity for businesses to sponsor a barrel yeah and i guess obviously costs for all beer festivals have to be looked at but uh, this element of sponsorship is is it popular among local businesses We've currently got nine sponsored barrels and we also sell advertising in the programme as well. And typically the advertising covers the cost of the programme. Of the 25 festivals we've had, we've always made a profit every year. So uh, it is quite a successful festival in terms of we make money. (laughs) Well, that is important and particularly in the cost of living situation that we've got at the moment. And sponsorship is perhaps a way that, that more could go. Yeah, I do think it's relevant. I mean, 
two or three pubs in town. They leapt at it. The only stipulation they said is they wanted to pick the beer they wanted to sponsor, which was fair enough as far as I was concerned. The other thing we actually have done this year is we normally, in the last few years, we've had 80 ales, 80 winter ales. This year, because we're a little bit uncertain about the economy and the price of beer has obviously gone up, so we're going to have to put the prices up slightly, we've gone for 70 ales as a precautionary measure. Now, if we get battered, that will mean we'll sell out a beer quicker on the Saturday than 8 o'clock closing, which isn't a bad thing. It's very difficult to call how many are going to turn up, how much they're going to drink, and so on and so on. So we've made a conscious decision, drop to 70 and keep our fingers crossed. And do you tend to get a few new ones every year that people won't have seen before? Oh, yeah. This year we've got probably 20 or 30 that are probably not been at Air Festival before. They're not brand new beers, but we actually have got, just trying to think now, at least three that I can think of, or maybe more than that, actually, probably five that are one-offs, specials, been brewed once Inferno, the, the four Inferno beers, which is actually a brewery in Tewkesbury, all four of their beers are one-offs that are only brewed once a year. And there's one in that list called Flaming Pud, which I'm sure you can guess what some of the ingredient is. Yes. That one is a, is a first-time brew. There's another brewery just started in Tewkesbury, so you know it's getting really good around here, called the Tewkesbury Brewing Company. And he's brewed a, a stout for us, and that is the first time it's ever been brewed. There's another brewery in Cornwall called Hunters. That's a pin of a 11% beer, which he brewed in December, I believe. And the bulk of that's gone into bottles. He had two pins left. We've got one. I think he sold the other one to a local pub. That's never going to be brewed again. That's a true one-off. So, um, as you can see, we tend to try and get unusual, new, and some old favourites, of course, as well, like old Freddie Walker. Everybody loves old Freddie Walker. It's one of the first to sell out. So, uh, it's great fun. Well, I find it great fun actually just spending the time finding unique beers. I do tend to um, serve behind the bar on a Friday and a Saturday. You can see people walk in and they're like a kiddie in a sweet shop. They just don't know where to start. It's, uh, so they normally walk up and go, I like a strong, dark, but not too strong. And you go, well, try this one. It's always very difficult for a beer festival organiser to answer. But if you just had to pick one of the 70 that uh, you, you could only have a, a pint of? <laughs> um. I I think it would be between the 14% from Motley Hog. Which you wouldn't have a pint of, I hope. <laughs> no, no, I'd probably have a cheeky half of that. And the the other one is the uh, the Baltic, the Baltic Porter. I've never seen it before, to be honest. So it's like, ooh, I've got to try that. And again, I'd probably have a, a cheeky half of that. I'm not really into the pale light stuff. I much prefer the dark stronger malty stuff mainly because the stronger the beers are normally the stronger the beers are the more body they have so they have more flavor and you've mentioned a couple of local breweries relatively new breweries i think that that must be good news for the tewkesbury area that you know there are still people in what we know to be difficult times taking on ventures like this starting up breweries got to be good for camera for the local beer scene for pubs yeah absolutely i mean we we're really chuffed that inferno he started in 2018 
the breweries in the back of his house. It was going to be his wife's dining room, and then he decided he could put a brewery in there. So um, he put a two and a half barrel plant in the back of the house. Is he still married? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I think Rachel is a is a very tolerant lady. Let's put it that way. And the other gentleman, Daryl Tanner, who's started the uh, Tewksbury Brewing Company, he um, he's had kit for a couple of years and he registered a company back in 2020 but it was a dormant company and he literally had a couple of experimental brews through the covid period i believe and then did a first brew called Tewksbury gold in about october last year and then as i said he's uh, he's done a stout for us called dark night uh, which is a 5.7 percent chocolatey stout which sounds lovely so i'm gonna have to try it and i will have a pint of that when we've actually got it all racked up and ready to go well, it sounds fantastic. Just remind us again, times, dates, how much it costs to get in and how people can come along. It's Bustle Train into Tewkesbury, the Watson Hall, which is smack bang in the centre of town. It's £15 to get in on the Friday and the Saturday. That is £6 for your glass and your programme and £9 worth of beer tokens. Turn up, it's not, not a ticketed event. There's a camera night on the Thursday night, that's 7 o'clock till 11 Friday is 11 in the morning till 11 in the evening and Saturday is 11 in the morning till we say 8 o'clock but if the beer sells out before then it'll be before then. I hope it goes really well for you thank you so much for telling us about it today it sounds a fantastic event so uh, if I can't get there this year I'll definitely try and come along one year. So a couple of festivals there definitely ones to add to my list. Absolutely. And, and talking of winter ale festivals, don't forget we've got the Great British Beer Festival Winter taking place in Burton-on-Trent. More of that next month, uh, but definitely one to think about booking for. As we were thinking about the end of 2022 and the new year about to come, I spoke to Ellie Hudspeth. She's a senior campaigns manager and to, she, I asked her to bring us up to date on cameras campaigns and on her work with influencing the government and lawmakers. Now, we've just been through one of the most unsettled periods for the UK government and it's been a super challenging time for anyone to be heard. Ellie and the camera team have been working a way to speak up for pubs, brewers and the beer and cider drinker. We're going to take the opportunity at the beginning of the year to look back a little bit at 2022 uh, and I suppose most importantly look forward to the coming year that we're in. Thinking of 2022, what have you been hearing are some of the really big pressures that have been facing both pubs and breweries? Well, last year we've had the perfect storm of the cost of business crisis for pubs, brewers, um, the supply chain that kind of feeds the beer and pub sector and then the cost of living crisis for consumers. And Camera, as a consumer organisation, is kind of uniquely placed to hear about that intersection and see how one affects the other. And it really has been all about that perfect storm of a really expensive time to run a business in the hospitality sector, to be a brewer, and then the issues around consumers just not being able to visit the pub as often, even though we really want to. We want our pubs, brewers and cider makers to survive, to be profitable, to be brilliant places, to go and meet people and socialise. But right now it's really tough for consumers to do that. And this year has really been about 
those pressures and then the subsequent political upheaval that's made it really, really hard sometimes for us to campaign. Yeah, I can imagine it's pretty hard to get your voice heard when there's so much going on all around in big, big subjects. In the pub that I run, we've been trying really hard to hold the prices down. But, you know, some of these big on costs coming through are affecting everyone in the industry. So thinking now about this year, 2023, what do you anticipate will be some of the key pressures uh, that are coming towards us? But also perhaps some of the opportunities we might find. Unfortunately, I think that next year we're still going to have a lot of that sort of uncertainty, a lot of those uh, pressures around inflation, around the cost of goods, the cost of business. We're even seeing um, everything down to the cost of cleaning equipment for pub sellers, for brew kit and things like that. Some of those costs are going up by 200, 300, 400 percent. Absolutely everything right now is just so pressurised and intense. But, you know, if we were making New Year's resolutions, I think what we'd really like to do in 2023 is have more time to kind of engage with politicians on these issues. Last year was really tricky with all the political upheaval. We had new exchequer secretaries in the Treasury. Uh, It felt like every day. It was every few weeks in the end. But I think we'd like more time to kind of sit down and have those considered conversations with politicians and really be able to get across the really acute and interlinked pressures that the brewing and pub sector is under right now. And I guess as time passes, you must feel uh, as a bit more stability comes in, you'll be able to get their ear a little bit more and develop those relationships. So are there any opportunities around that to see some improvements coming? We're expecting another budget or fiscal statement to be coming kind of March, April, May time. That's when we would we would normally expect, expect to have one. And we, we think another one is probably going to be needed. At the time of recording, we haven't had an announcement about ongoing energy support for the sector, which is, you know, just one of the biggest cost pressures right now as well. Hopefully, we'll, we'll have some more certainty on that. But I think, you know, the, the lack of certainty has been such a big issue for the sector for so long now, throughout most of last year, throughout the whole of the pandemic, when you look back because we just weren't getting those kind of long-term government announcements where people had certainty to kind of plan around those things they'd know if there was more business support coming in you know six months time business rate relief was announced for kind of longer periods and things like that for us I think one of our messages to government will be if you're a small brewer or a tied publican you need to know what's coming down the line to be able to to plan your business around that and then as consumers we all benefit when you have a really well-run pub or a thriving small brewer Thinking about specifically what you'd like to see from the government, what are you focusing on in terms of support for the industry? We really want to get the new alcohol duty system in place. We've uh, spent the last couple of years doing that big alcohol duty review. The main thing that came out of that, that Camera was campaigning for for kind of years, was this new rate of duty for draft beers and ciders. So, you know, draft beer and cider sold on tap in pubs. We want that to come into place, this new regime, as soon as possible. At the moment, we think it's going to be at 5% lower than the general duty rate. We want that to kind of be 20% lower to really encourage people to be drinking local beer and cider in, in pubs on tap in a social environment. All the benefits we know about of people having beers and ciders in that environment, it it certainly seems like a great campaign to me. And let's hope people can get behind that. What other campaigning plans have you got for 2023? What other things are you going to be working on? As a campaigns team, we help our branches and volunteers across the whole of the UK, actually. So it's not not just looking at Westminster. In Northern Ireland, we have our fingers crossed that there's going to be an executive government in place. I'll be honest, when I joined the camera campaigns team, I did 
didn't think I'd have to think so much about whether Northern Ireland had a government. But actually, we've been doing work over there for the last couple of years, looking at the licensing system, because it's so, so different to that that we've got in England, Wales and Scotland. They promised to do a review of the licensing system, and we want that to happen. So that's kind of our firm campaigning plan there. In Scotland, we are trying to get a pubs code and adjudicator in place, just like we've got for England and Wales. At the time of recording, we've just had the news that a judicial review that was brought by some pub companies has been rejected by the Scottish courts, which we think is brilliant news because it means we can get on with working with civil servants in Scotland to get a good code in place so that tied tenants in Scotland can have things like a right to um, have their rent reviewed, have a guest beer, which is something that's not in the code in England and Wales. Yeah, does that also involve rent reviews and things like that as well? Because that's real lifeline, isn't it? The code in Scotland um, does contain a market rent only option like the one in England and Wales. But actually, because the code in England and Wales has been going for a few years now, we've just had our second review. That was last year. We've been able to kind of suggest some really good improvements to that market rent only option to make it better and more accessible for pub tenants. Well, that sounds like fantastic stuff. I hope that that's going to be uh, coming into force in Scotland and, uh, and you can get the benefits of that. Uh, now, it's been really interesting hearing about some of these campaigns, Ellie, and obviously some of these in particular, the one you mentioned earlier about uh, duty relief for pubs, um, are, are things that perhaps your members are going to really want to get involved in. I know I certainly want to get behind it as a publican <laughs> and a beer drinker. So how can we get involved? What can we do uh, to, to help with these campaigns? you might be quite used now to getting some emails from the campaigns team. Uh, we do regularly run sort of um, e-lobbying where you can write to your local politicians, whether that's your member of parliament or, you know, if you're in Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, the members of your kind of devolved parliaments there as well. The best way to get involved in camera campaigning is to make sure you're active in your local branch because so much campaigning at the very local level to save local pubs, support local brewers, you know, having your social events, pub crawls, beer scoring, updating what pub, that all happens in your branch. So the powerhouses of the campaign. Every couple of months, we write a public affairs update, which goes into what's brewing online, where you can see the kind of behind the scenes insight into what the campaigns team do with our committees and our volunteers, uh, kind of day to day to lobby government across the UK, uh, right down to helping branches, lobby local councils to have really good supportive planning policies in place for pubs. Is there anything in particular that people can do on social media? Uh, are there any kind of tags that you're using for the duty campaign or anything like that we can use? We regularly do lots of campaigning content on social media, various hashtags across different campaigns. We do a lot of Save Our Pubs. And right now, so much campaigning takes place on social media. We're really trying hard to push out that campaigning content. Letters that we're writing to politicians. Is that enough? <laughs> More than, yes. Keep on the updates coming out from the campaigning teams. Have a look on the websites and follow that. Ah, so much to think about there in that conversation with Ellie. Um, but for sure, her advice to get involved, or for many people of you of you listening, stay involved with campaigning. What were your thoughts on I that, Claire? I think the fact that, you know, one thing that really struck me, cleaning materials she mentioned for pubs are, are so expensive. And, and it's a cost that you just don't, you know, you think about all the other costs that they might have to have, like whether they've got the heating on or, or whatever. And I, sadly, I've been to a few local pubs um, over the last few weeks where they haven't been able to have the heating on because 
because you know the bills are so high at the moment and and in fact we've heard about energy bills for for pubs just recently from the government they're changing the way that they support them with with this and i think it's um changing so that the average pub will get about two thousand pounds a year off their energy bills now because the system's going to be a bit different that was an announcement that came out just just the other day um but the costs that pubs are facing really so challenging we've seen loads of pubs unfortunately just not reopening after christmas in this part of the world too every time i look on our local news website another really well known and well established pub hasn't reopened yeah, it does make our focus on that uh, visit to the local pub even more important. And thinking about breweries, we know that uh, breweries haven't necessarily received any support uh, with some of their energy costs, and that's been a huge pressure. And unfortunately, I'm sure we've all seen uh, recently a number of breweries closing. I had a conversation, uh, visited a, a local brewery to us in the last couple of days, uh, and he was explaining to me that the gas costs, so the cost of heating uh, the coppers and brewing, over the last couple of years has been fixed at £3,500. But in the last few weeks, he's found out that his annual costs are likely to go up to about £25,000. That's an extraordinary jump, and it's very, very challenging to kind of absorb those costs. And unfortunately, we are going to see beer prices increases as a result yeah that, that's a eightfold increase isn't it from three thousand to twenty five thousand pounds I mean, imagine if those of us with our heating bills at home imagine if it was going up by a factor of eight it's just incredibly hard to get your to get your head around and it uh, makes the, the campaigning work that ellie and her colleagues do all the more all the more valuable and i must just say as, as an observer that what you see from ellie and her team make it really easy for camera members and indeed anyone who's listening to this podcast eh, to get involved in campaigning to support the pubs and breweries across the country and do keep an eye on camera's website and especially its social media feeds to find out how you can get involved in supporting this uh, incredibly important work yeah, if ever there was a time to really support beer, brewing and, and pubs, well, you know, go to a winter beer festival if there is one near you, support your local pub, um, because, yeah, there, there is a cost of living crisis and maybe you can't go to the pub, you know, a couple of times a week. Maybe it's, you've got to cut down a bit, but if we can all just do what we can and try and get through these really tough times. Absolutely. Uh, We'll keep an eye on what's happening with the campaigning and keep you up to date in this website. Uh, Next month, we'll be focusing on Burton, uh, of course, where the Great British Beer Festival Winter is coming from. Uh, We'll also be cooking with beer live with Chef Christian Gott and I'll be meeting one of my heroes, ace pub ticker Cy Everett, a.k.a. Brapper, the British Real Ale Adventure, who knows as much about visiting pubs as anyone and is one of a small, intrepid band of UK pub tickers. before we go, it's time, as ever, for our last orders. So what have you both been drinking this week? I'll, I'll kick off with one that uh, came my way as a, a bottled beer. It's Wold Top Wold Gold Blonde Beer. Um, it's it's apparently been a World Beer Awards winner. It doesn't say what year on this bottle, but uh, but it has won several awards, I believe. And it's brewed by Wold Top Brewery. They're based in Driffield in uh, Yorkshire. And I really enjoyed it, actually. It's a sort of continental style beer, blonde beer. Um, quite, I found it quite sweet, but yeah, it's certainly one that I'd look out for again. Uh, over Christmas, I enjoyed uh, a can of Utopian's Rainbok Lager, which is a classic Maybox style beer, uh, matured for 10 weeks and comes in at a very satisfying 7%. Mm-hmm. So those beers sound great. As a contrast, I'm going to choose a cider. So I have a, a great um, enthusiasm for a small cidery in Marden in Kent called Turner's Cider. And Turner's is run by husband and wife team, Phil and May, and they have been 
been producing some great Kent style ciders uh, for quite a while, but they've just produced a very special cider, a limited edition, using their usual clean, smooth and crisp dessert apple blend, but this time made like a champagne using the traditional method. So with those glorious tiny bubbles and that lovely, crisp, rich, full flavour. So that one is really exciting. Look forward to seeing what more interesting ciders Phil's going to be experimenting with and coming up with next. Well, that's three excellent recommendations to bring this episode of the podcast to a close. So all that remains to be said is until next time, we need to say a big thank you to all the volunteers who make this podcast happen. As presenters, we really couldn't do it without you. And if any of our listeners would like to get involved, then you can too by finding Pubs, Pints, People on both Twitter and Facebook or send us an email. The email address is podcast at camera.org.uk. Until next time, thank you very much for listening. And all that remains for us to say is cheers. 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 Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How does a free case of beer sound? Yes, you can grab a case for free courtesy of our pals at Beer 52 by going to www.beer52.com forward slash people. That's the numbers 52 in the 52 and covering the meagre postage cost of £5.95. And what's more, as a special offer for our listeners, they'll throw in two extra beers for free. So that's 10 unique craft beers. Beer 52 is actually the biggest beer club in the world. Each month, they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world, and this month it's an absolute belter. Their great European road trip case takes in the best beers from across the continent. So try a crisp, refreshing Pilsner from Norway's Lervig Brewery and a monster 7.5 double IPA from Sweden's Derges Brewery. On the dark side this month, there's a smooth stout from Copenhagen's Tool. There's also beer from Croatia... Poland, Germany, Serbia and Austria, among others. And if dark beer's not your thing, you can choose the light-only case. Also included is the ever-insightful Ferment magazine and a couple of tasty snacks. And even if, after all that, you're still unsatisfied, you can simply pause or cancel at any time. So head over to www.beer52, that's the numbers 5 and 2, dot com forward slash people to claim your free case of 10 beers now.